Actually, as you see, there's some wine on the table today because in addition to the Parsha, Vayeshev, today we'll discuss a little bit about the Parsha. We'll also discuss a little bit about Yutet Kislev and Chav Kislev. Today is the 20th day of Kislev. And most of you weren't in shul, so I drew this in shul, I said it in shul, but for those who weren't here, weren't there, I would just explain why we have two days of uh, celebration. Uh, it's very interesting, in generally speaking, when we talk about in Galut, as opposed to Israel. Galut, I mean, Chutz Laris, outside of Israel. All the holidays are always two days. You know, did you ever wish, oh, I wish I lived in Israel, so we didn't have to have all these times, two days. Uh, but, in uh, one of the explanations, why do we have two days? Okay, there's a very legal, technical explanation, but there's also a spiritual explanation, which the Alter Rebbe, whose uh, Day of Redemption celebration we're celebrating today, he gives in his code of law, he sort of says, in Israel, the people are closer to Hashem. And they're closer to God. They're just, the holiness of Eretz Yisrael is, 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 is so much that, all the divine blessings, inspiration, the uh, shine of holiness can be absorbed in one day. That's like, but in the Chutz Laaretz, outside of Israel, because we have limited capacity to hold the things, it takes us two days. So what it takes in Israel for one day, it takes us two days. But the um, festival that we celebrate and the Yom Tov that we celebrate and by Hasidim, we say actually good Yom Tov. We say good Yom Tov. And not only do we say good Yom Tov, but it's like Rosh Hashanah. And like Yom Kippur, it says it's a Rosh Hashanah for Hasidus. And, uh, and we wish that Hashem should help us to uh, celebrate that this year should be like we wish Aksiva Tova, Shana Tova Mesuka for uh, the, uh, pardon my Ashkenazic uh, ex- pronunciation. Most of the people are more comfortable with that over here. More but like what? Well done. Ktiva vachatima tova. It's better. Okay. Shana tova mutuka. She wants to test if I know how to say it properly. Okay. So, but, uh, but also for the same thing is for the limuda uh, chasidut and darkia chasidut. So I, have a, I want to cover a lot. And I'm still under the excitement of, you know, we visited at the Rebbe's Ohel and we prayed over there. We had some people, we had a, we had a great time because, you know, it's. Uh, I want to draw also the parallel, you know, we went to a tzaddik, and we went to pray over there, but we also had a good time. We had, and I said, a part of the, um, of the trip itself is the friendship that you develop. You know, you shmooze, and you get to talk, it's, it's a lot of hours to kill. Uh, you know, you're together, and then you get her, you're confined, and you can't go anywhere, so, you know, you shmooze, and it develops a, a friendship. And, and I, as I, I said that, one of the things that the Rebbe said that he wanted to accomplish with Hasidus and the ways of Hasidim, uh, more so, the ways of Hasidim is that the Hasidim should feel like one family. He wanted them to be with that kind of a care about one another. Because while all Jews are brothers, Shavasachim Gam Yachad, and we also know we have to love our fellow itself. But still, we know within that there is still different levels. You still, your own family you care more about. So the Hasidim should really care about each other. And, you know, when we talk about care, you know, sometimes people make a mistake. We're not only talking about caring about people, about their spiritual needs. You know, sometimes people make a mistake and they think, oh, 
Or what they want to do is make us more religious, or they want to make us, uh, yeah, well, that's to care about you, so they want to care about your neshama too. But that's not where it begins, it's not where it ends. We care about everybody to help them in any situation. And, you know, I would say that, you know, I would say that about Chabad, you know, I want to say to myself, here you have a person who, you know, out of the blue, you know, she, she resides in New York, and her parents are buried in the Sharon Memorial. And she doesn't know me, I don't know her from beans, you know, before she picks up the telephone, and she says to me, you know, Rabbi, I got your name from Chabad, somewhere from the uh, listing of Chabad. I want to go visit my parents at the... I want to go visit my parents at the cemetery. So she said, I want to go visit my parents at the cemetery. So, you know, the Rebbe created this... Who, where is she going to go? I mean, she's an older woman, and she doesn't have... I know, okay, she's, right, she's, she's, she's more than 40, put it this way, okay? She's more than 40, okay? I call that older, you know, because I call myself younger. Under 40, I call uh, younger, okay? So she doesn't drive, and she doesn't have a way of getting around, and she doesn't have uh, easy access. It's not easy for her to drive. And she picks up the telephone. She says, Rabbi, I got you on the phone list and I need a place to stay, and I need somebody to take me to the grave, and I need somebody to take care of me for a small stay. I don't, you know, Rabbi, you know, I'm coming to your house. And I said, okay. <laughs> and here I am. So I take her to the cemetery, and I go around, it, you know. And there's no ulterior motives over here. It's just purely... Place. No? Beautiful. No, it's just... Uh, it's oh, just, your singing was magnificent. Okay. Oh, I just <laughs> cried. Okay. But anyways, we want to be happy now. But so, but no. But the point we're trying to say is, we don't only care about people. We're not here just to care about people. Try to make them more religious, or to just teach them, you know, uh, to learn more, or to tell anybody that they're not good enough, that they're not. On the contrary, we're here to encourage one another, and we're here to say, as I said, that we don't look what you don't do. We give you credit for what you do do, and we encourage you, if you do a little, if you can do a little more, go ahead and do so. But we care about the per- person as a whole. This is what the Rebbe taught us. So we don't just looking out there to chap a yid and make him more, you know, make him more religious or, or make him chabad. You know, actually, um, the Rebbe told some people who came to the Rebbe, and they said, you know, uh, Rebbe, you know, uh, if you did this and this, you know, I would become your follower. And Rebbe says, you know, I thank God I have enough followers. The Rebbe says, I don't want you to be a follower. I want you to be a leader. The Rebbe says, you go out there and you become a leader. You teach. You become a somebody. But what I want to I want to speak about. So one of the things is, is is I think you know when you go to the Rebbe to the Ohel. Uh, so we had both. So we had a spiritual experience. I hope. Or if maybe we didn't see it, or we didn't feel it, or we don't know yet how it benefits us. But my wife pointed out to me very, uh, you know, we because we, we, we go through over and we said, you know, was this trip a successful one? What could have we done different? How could we make it more meaningful? You know, so we go through. And my wife reminded me, and she said to me, you know what? Every single person throughout their history that went with us to the OHEL, 
was actually helped for the better. Over, maybe not right away. And she pointed out a lot of names, you know, over the years of different people. So either immediately or down the road. But it's that feeling of camaraderie, that feeling of friendship, that feeling of being one family, of being that united together, the time you spent together in Yishmuz and whatever it is, and eat together in a beautiful restaurant that was also a special, special treat. So it was all, there was a combination of, of the... But this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about today a little bit, and I'm going to give it out. And what do you? What is the? I want to bring a parallel. You know, what's what's the difference between Hasidim and what they call Mitnagdim? What is a Mitnagid? Mitnagdim means opposition, opposition. By the way, it's not Hasidim means righteous or people who are very scrupulous. That means a Hasid. That's Hasidim. Mitnagdim means opponents. Because why? Who gave the name Mitnagdim? The Mitnagdim themselves. Because they opposed the Hasidic movement. And they gave them said Mitnagdim. So I want to ask, what's the difference between the Hasidim Mitnagdim? We have the Torah. We have the Torah of Hashem. We have to follow. We have the code of law. So I'm confused. What does it mean Hasidim? And what does it mean Mitnagdim? How are they, you know... I mean, so you daven these words or you daven that word? Is that, you know, so... So what's the difference, okay? So that's, that's one thing. I also want to talk about the Parsha because we read about Yosef and his brothers and we read about the story that Yosef's brothers sold him and we read about, I'm going to ask Yosef, so what's the difference between, how is Yosef different than his brothers? And uh, Yosef went through and again, you know, it's very hard to explain how could Sadiqim, righteous people, do such a thing to their own brother. Very difficult to explain. But we do know at the end of the day that this was destined by Hashem because, as we see, you know, everything turned out to be according to the plan, the way Hashem had it planned. And what we need to know is in our own lives that a lot of times life takes, throws you for a curveball, gives you a twist around, and you get all upset about it. But, you know, if you know that there is a plan, a master plan from Hashem, basically... We don't understand. Hashem is always good. He acts with benevolence, with kindness to all of us. Sometimes it's hidden a little bit, but at the end it comes out. In the end we see it. So we hope and we pray that we don't worry too much and that we doesn't take over our lives. We try to deal with our problems in the most rational, but we never lose our faith. We never lose our trust in Hashem. And we do it and then we take it step by step. But we are certainly... Uh, confident that Hashem is good and Hashem will help us and He will turn things around for the good. What does that do to us? Because that helps us actually deal with our situation because if we become down and depressed then we sort of aren't able to function and do rationally, think rationally and really continue on the right path. The Zohar actually says and the Rebbe actually <laughs> writes in some letters, I wish people would study that Zohar and they know what the Zohar says. The Zohar says that really God deals with you in the way you deal, the face you show. He says, if you are happy and you are excited and you're passionate about things, God is passionate and gives you all the blessings you had in a very open way. But if you're sort of uh, down and you're dumpy and you're not... not, not well, so then God, you're not a vehicle for that blessing to come. So be 
be trusting in Hashem and be optimistic. Be cheer. Be cheerful. Be be uh, hopeful. And 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 you know. And then the blessings will come. So in any event, Yosef went through a lot. And but what's the difference if somebody would ask? What's the difference between Yosef and his brothers in their mission in their lives? How they live differently? And then I'm going to bring in a story from the Talmud, a very telling story from the Talmud, which is actually today's page of the Talmud that everybody studies, the Dafyomi studies today. It's a, a, it's, a, it's a piece of, you know, some of the Talmud is very intricate and detailed, Allah, you know, some of it is stories, a little bit, I mean, some pages in the Talmud are just beautiful, Agadita, they are, tell us various different Tremendous lessons, and matter of fact, sometimes the story speaks more to your heart than it does to... And the Talmud tells us there were two sages. One was named Rabbi Hanina, and one's name was Rabbi Chia. And we'll see how these two, this parallel between the Mesnagdim, the Hasidim, between Yosef and his brothers, between these two sages, Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Chia, there's like an underpinning uh, point here which encompasses. But I guess... What's easiest for the people here, maybe we what does people think? People can comment, you know, what's the difference between Yosef and his and his brothers? Yes, go ahead. Well, Yosef is from a different mother other than the other eleven brothers. Is that true? No, not eleven. Uh, ten brothers. Ten. Yes. Two two of them came. Yosef and Binyamin uh, I'm, I'm came from Binyamin Rachel. Binyamin wasn't part of the idea too do something to him. And he was, he was later, he was sold. Yeah, yeah, he was, he, he was born at the end. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And so Mitnagdim and Hasidim are also like brothers that don't get along. Oh, yeah. Well, the word don't get along, I think is, 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 didn't get along. Didn't, of course. I don't get along is a present because <laughs> it's a present. You know, I once heard an interesting, uh, give it an interesting parable. The story goes about, there was once a wealthy, a wealthy individual who had two daughters, you know, older one, younger one. He was a very wealthy, wealthy man. And he, in those days, the people who were wealthy, they would go to the yeshiva and they would pick the brilliant student this is the result of going to the Oval on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> for a blessing for Torah okay. tea. Come on. I wrote it. Hi. 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 So. Yes, I do. I know. It was right here. It was right here. Oh, no. You're good. You're good. Oh, no. No. It's just uh, here. Come sit here. This is fabulous. It's wonderful. Okay. Hi. This is the result of going to the Oval and asking for a blessing for Torah tea. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyways, so in those days, it was the tradition that when you took a, that when, if you were wealthy, you'd go to the yeshiva, and you go to the rabbi, and you say to the rabbi, I want a fine young man for my daughter. I want a fine young man for my daughter. And I promise that he can move in with me, with my family, and I'm going to support him. He doesn't have to do any work. He can sit and study for 15 years. He doesn't. I'm going to pay all his bills for all of his family. 
Some people do it today too, but not that much. <laughs> After the crash with the stock market, it doesn't work so much. Doesn't work so much. But it used to work like that. So he said, okay, so he goes, so he had two daughters. So first one comes to the yeshiva, asks him, finds him a very nice boy, he brings him to the house. But after the wedding, he finds out that this young man has a lactose intolerance, which means he can't eat any dairy products. And one of the things that the father-in-law really wanted, he wanted the families to all be together, the new family, he wanted to be everybody together, but because they can't eat any dairy, so when they ate dairy, so they couldn't eat together, because he didn't want to give up on his ice cream and, uh, and the blintzes or whatever. <laughs> he wouldn't give up on the cheese blintzes, so, or the cheesecakes, so he had no choice. So they made them a, a, separate, a separate table. So they made, them a, they made them a separate table so that he would have eat it with his family. Okay, the second daughter gets married. And the second daughter gets married, and the uh, second daughter comes to the rabbi, he says, I need another boy, he gives him another boy. Again, he promises him, 15 years, I'm going to support you. Fine. Excited. Brings him home, and he finds out, unfortunately, this young man can eat any meat products. So. <laughs> he's a vegetarian. He's a vegetarian, okay. Oh, he's a vegetarian, good. A vegan. Ooh, okay. So now, what is he going to do? So what is he going to do? Get another table. Another table. So now, listen. So listen to the story. So now they're sitting. So he has, he had a huge dining room. He had one table for his family. He used to change tablecloth. But this had a table, only milchiks, only fleshiks. Everybody made their own meals. That was it. Now, this wealthy person, you know, uh, the stock market crashed, the things didn't go, business didn't go. You know, the times changed. He couldn't afford anymore to buy these delicacies. No more steaks and no more uh, expensive cheesecakes. He only had, he could only feed them. The family had some potatoes and uh, some uh, fruits, some vegetables, but he didn't have. So he says to his son-in-laws, he says, come I have to make a meeting with you. He says, look, you know, you all have your own families. And I know we're used to, everybody used to make their own table and have their own meals. That was in the days that things were good, that I had a lot of money. I can afford to buy meat and I can afford to buy dairy. But now he says, I have a little bit of parv. All what I have is parv. He says, why don't we all sit at the same table and we all eat together? Because And the parable was given by a rabbi. He said, look, he says, in the olden days, you know, we had great giants. You know, the Hasidic masters were great giants, and it was the Hasidim themselves were great people. They were people of stature. And the Mesnagdim were great people. So they can afford to each one do their own thing. You know, the Hasidim, the Mesnagdim, they can afford to disagree, to fight. To... But he says, what do we have now? He said, i got a little Yiddishkeit left. Mm-hmm. He says, there's so much intermarriage, and there is ignorance, and there is a lack of interest, there's a apathy, there is all these kinds of, people aren't care about Yiddishkeit at all. So what are we going to sit and fight about? Uh, 
you know, whether we're going to say this prayer or that prayer, or we, or we bow this way or we bow the other way. That's small stuff. Let's go out there and unite our forces and get some of God's children back in to, to, to Hashem. Let's go ahead and reach out to them. That's the most important thing right now. And let's leave. So that's why I'm saying when you say they fight amongst each other, I don't buy that. That used to be they used to fight. Because in the olden days, today, I'm not saying that there's nobody uh, going to fight or say something bad, but by and large, and this I saw also in a clip from the Rebbe on the video, the Rebbe didn't quite say this, but I, I, I understood this from what I saw. Um, and, and, and actually, we, we, we saw from Rav Soloveitchik, who takes his lineage, Rav Yosheber Soloveitchik, used to live in Boston, and he takes his lineage directly from Rav Chaim from the directly from the students of the Goen of Vilna, the head of the, called him Misnagdim, he took that from there. And he had a, had a Hasidic Fabrengen, a Yutas Kislev in Boston. It was before my time, uh, before I lived in the area. Uh, but, but he had, but somebody repeated from him, he gave over. Uh, we know, and the Rebbe drew at the time, and the Rebbe, in the Rebbe's clip, the Rebbe drew the parallel between Maimonides and the Rav. And the Rebbe said that Maimonides wrote two main, main books, Maimonides. One of them was the Rambam, Yara Chazaka, those are the code of law. The 14 books, the major work of the Rambam, of Rambam is Maimonides. And then he also wrote the More Nevuchim, which is called the Guide for the Perplexed. That's more of a philosophical, a philosophical and to help people with their questions in, the, uh, in a belief, in Muna. And a parallel to that, the Alter Rebbe also wrote two major books. One was the Tanya, which is the basic Hasidic text. And the other one was the Shulchan Aruch, Harav, which is the code of Jewish law that Rav wrote. So that parallels. But what the Rebbe brought down was interesting, that Maimonides, when he started out, people questioned him. And people were actually burned the books of the Rambams. They would destroy, they wouldn't follow the Rambam. And, and they, you know, there was the leader of the Jewish people at the time, was, his name was Rabbeinu Yoyna. He was sort of the head master over there. And Rabbeinu Yoyna investigated all the complaints of the Rambam, against the Rambam. He took the time and the effort. He worked diligently, and he verified, he figured out, and at the end he came to the conclusion that the Rambam is correct 100%. Not only did he question him, he became the biggest follower and supporter of the Rambam of Amanides himself. And the Rebbe didn't quite finish this off. He says, the, pre, the, the, the Alter Rebbe, Shneir Zalman, the founder of Hasidus Chabad, and the Baal Shem Tov, they had strong opposition from the Mesnagdim. But it's very known, it's very well known, that the Hasidim, the Alter Rebbe, came twice to the city of Vilna to try to bring peace, to debate and discuss to show his innocence to the Gona Vilna, because they were told Lashon Hara, they were told bad, they, people said, the Alter Rebbe was there to explain how the philosophy of Hasidus is not deviate even one iota, even one drop from the 
teachings of our sages and of the rabbis, of the greatest rabbis of all generation. He wanted to show them. Rav Soloveitchik had the Fabrengen said, that, that Fabrengen, he said that he has a bright tradition, which is a little bit, a little bit different than the story. By us, we know that the Alter Rebbe went together with one of the older students of the Maggid of Mizrich, Remendel Haradokar. He says, with another student, they came to the city of Ilm. They asked, where is the shul of the Chassid? They called him then the Chassid, not the Goan. The Goan is the genius, the Chassid. The Chassid of Ilm, because there, he was a great uh, servant of Hashem. He was a Chassid of Hashem. He was a great Chassid. Not of a Rebbe, but a Chassid of Hashem. And they were looking, so they came to the shul and they said, where can we find the shul? Of the... So they pointed him. <laughs> where could we find the, the Chassid himself, Rebbe Leo? Where could we find him? And this is Rabbi Salvechik telling the story. So they told him upstairs in the, uh, in the attic over there where the room, the, his, his, his apartment was, I guess, inside the, the shtibel, the shtul, the kloiz, they called it then. It was in there. He took through the peak hole or through a crack in the wall and he saw who came. And he went out the window, didn't want to meet with them. Refused to meet with them. Rabbi Salvechik said, had he spent two hours with the Alter Rebbe, with the other they would have proven to him that all the accusations and that all the Lashon Hara and all the falsehoods, everything that was said were actually not true. Like with Yosef, that's what Hashem wanted it to be. At that time, it wasn't Bashert, as they say. It wasn't Bashert, it wasn't happened at that time. And a lot of times I was thinking, uh, in different situations when I see that there's a flare-up of disagreements and fights, and, uh, you know, I, and, 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 and I think, doesn't everybody see that working together, that a united front is beneficial for everybody? I mean, uh, why is it my way or the highway? Why Why is everybody want to insist that they have to be right and the only ones? And then I realize, you know, maybe everybody works harder or stronger when there's two camps. Maybe if everybody, you would become, if everybody would do the same thing, maybe people would become complacent. Maybe people would not want to, it doesn't mean that it has to be fights in a bad way or say Lash Nora, but if everybody like um, the end of the story that I told you before about these two, these different uh, Yeshiva Bachor Yeshiva the different tables there's another version that ends the story a little bit different and that one of the son-in-law says you know what he says, that's not such a good idea to all eat at one table. He says, why? So I'll tell you why. He says, because someday, my dear father-in-law, you're going to be wealthy again. <laughs> and you're going to have money for meat. And you're going to have money for dairy. And you got, things are going to be back up again. So he says, maybe we keep up our traditions, not because we need to be separate, but there are 70 ways to the Torah. There are various different channels. There's not, nobody owns, nobody can say, I found the way, I'm the only one that has the right way. No, there are various different directions. 
doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong. It just means we're both right, you know. <laughs> it's almost like uh, they say about the rabbi who is trying to be politically correct with the different people. So there was once a big argument between the president, the vice president, and the president puts the rabbi on the spot. He says, Rabbi, who is right? Me or the vice president? Now what is the rabbi going to do? So the rabbi says, you know what, you're right. So the vice president was incensed. He says, Rabbi, how could you say such a thing? And he starts yelling and arguing. So the rabbi says, you know what, you're right. So this other guy is in the middle. He says, but Rabbi, how could they both be right? He says, you know what, you're right too. (laughs) (laughs) You're all right. The point here is that when we talk about there is no present day of misnagdim today, really. I mean, there's people that hate other Jews, other people, because if we're not supposed to hate any Jew, even a Jew who you don't know, you must love them with all your heart, and you must care about them. Somebody you never met, you never knew, you have to reach out to them. So just because somebody has a different idea than you do, that's why you're going to hate them, that's why you're going to despise them, that's, that's not... The Jewish way, that's not the Torah way, and that's not something that we can, uh, that we need to uh, follow. We need to uh, work on bridging differences. We need to work on bringing people together. We need to work on trying to find the common ground. We need to be able to use the strength of the Jewish people all together. You know, like they say, if you put a whole bunch of sticks together, you can't break it. But if you have individual little sticks, each one at a time, we have enough to deal with the people outside of the Jewish community that are trying to break us and hurt us. And we don't need within our community itself to try to find fault with each other. But anyways, I want to go back to the topic of the discussion over here. We don't have misnagdim today because, I'll tell you why, very simply, the olden days, okay, the Vilna Goen, he didn't want to meet the Alter Rebbe, so it was Bashert. But then we have history. We have almost 250, 300 years of history from the time of the Baal Shem Tov and from the time of the Alter Rebbe and from the time of the Hasidic masters. Now let me ask you, is the Jewish people the way we see them today, what we have now, do you think they benefited from the Hasidim or do you think that the Hasidim somehow... Uh, took us off track and are no longer uh, following the Torah and the mitzvahs. Who is the one that persevered under the most difficult persecutions, most difficult tragic history that the Jewish people has to had to endure in the 300 years of history since Hasidus? And their human rights were denied. They were not allowed to like, live in places. They weren't allowed to make a living. They weren't. They were constantly uh, haunted and constantly had to defend just their elementary, just to survive and to sustain themselves throughout the history. Now it was the Hasidic inspiration. It was the Hasidic enthusiasm, the passion. It wasn't just the legal mind, it wasn't just the knowledge of Torah, it wasn't just the greatness of Torah, which is part of the discussion I want to talk about, that persevered, that gave us the 
what it took to be able to not yield. I can talk from second generation, I guess, take credit for nothing that I did, but for what my parents did. Because my parents both come from Russia, and my father and my mother, they both kept Yiddishkeit to the fullest extent under the most difficult circumstances, which means it was danger every moment, constantly. Now, mind you, if it's, it was dangerous for anybody. I mean, you lived in a, under Stalin, under uh, uh, the communist regime, uh, after the revolution, after 1917, you know, it was a whole different story over there. And the Jews suffered more than all the others, and the religious Jews even more. If you come back now and you see some Russian people coming from Russia, you talk, oh, I remember my grandfather used to go once a year to the shul to get the matzahs, or I went to the... But all of Yiddishkeit basically disappeared. It disappeared because why? Because it was a systematic... The government systematically denied the Jewish people their rights and their religion, and they didn't allow them. So what happens over time? Who are the ones that stayed strong, that fought against it, that built yeshivas? When the, it was Chabad, it was my father and his, nobody else. My mother's family, actually, it does not come from a Chabad. My mother's mother's family my mother's father's family does, but my mother's mother's family does not come from a Chabad family, but comes from a very religious family. And older children married Chabad because those were the only people to marry <laughs> that were religious. They wanted to find religious was Chabad. There wasn't anybody else to marry. So all all the descendants, you know, there's hundreds of them, you know, all over the world that come from these of Shapiro. The name was Shapiro. The Shapiro family. There's a lot of Shapiros, but I'm saying their family in particular. They all married, but they were the ones that stood strong. So, people want to deny history, it's one thing, but the reality is there is no more misnagging today. We can see that it's that fervor, that extra. And a lot of people ask the question, well, if Hasidus is so important, uh, why, wasn't, why, why didn't the rabbis in 500 years ago know it? Why didn't they study the Kabbalah and the Hasidic and everything else if it's so important? But it's just like asking about medicine. Uh, you know, we discover all the time. You know, we have to deal. You know, unfortunately, we deal with such medications today that we didn't know them before. We deal with cancer. I mean, we deal with all kinds of stuff. But you know what? As we have new problems, we grow new cures. There's new uh, science. There's new uh, things that come to medicine to heal. Uh, Hasidus was necessary at the time that Hashem gave us the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe because without it, it's kind of hard to imagine what would have happened to the Jewish people if not for the Hasidic master, Tishon Hasidus, because the suffering and the isolation and the difficulties that the Jewish community experienced was beyond anything. At that time, you know, people just left their religion and converted to other religions because they didn't find any uh, any solace, any 
connection to Yiddishkeit. If they weren't learned, if they weren't uh, uh, scholars, the scholarly people didn't want anything to do with them. So they didn't belong over there. Uh, the guy persecuted the Jews, bless you. The guy persecuted the Jews. So what are they going to do? So what are they going to do? So they converted lots of them. Balsamtov gave them an opening. He gave them a little. Balsamtov taught. It's not how much you know the Talmud, or they used to call it the black dots, or you can read from the black dots, but it's what's in your heart. It's what you really feel in your heart. And sometimes the simple and the sincere inner connection that a person has in his heart can be valued to Hashem even more than these greatest of the scholars. Matter of fact, as we learned in the uh, Hasidic portion today, the morning we learned is sometimes these people are on a much higher level than the learned people because the learned people, their intellect stands in the way of totally giving themselves over to Hashem because they're intellectuals. So their learning doesn't allow them. They enjoy the learning so much so that is almost a barrier. They can't fully open up. Their heart is not fully open to it. But when you connect to Hashem, again, we're not advocating, God forbid, not to study Torah, but we're just saying there's value to that. There's, there's great value. And you must connect, and you must be humble. If you study Torah, and you're arrogant, and you are boasting with your Torah, and you're trying to show off what the, how much you know, then you're not a proper vehicle for the Torah you're studying, but you're not, you're not, um, you know, you're, you're not really getting it. You're not getting the holiness of the Torah. You may be getting an intellectual exercise, but you're you're missing out the main, the main part of the Torah. The main part of the Torah is the holiness. Is it makes you a better person? You know, it refines you. You become connected. This is the wisdom of Hashem. You become an elevated, greater person. That's when you have humility. That's when you study and you subjugate yourself and you know that this is not just your wisdom, it's the wisdom of God. So, there is no more misnagdom today. This is all history. Today we know Hasidim saved those who stood strong during the terrible Holocaust, how did they survive? It's beyond any imagination. How could people still believe in God after such, such devastations, such travesties, such savages, experiences like that, people losing everything in such a demeaning, humiliating, and savage way that experience. How could they believe in God? You know, we, can, we, don't, we don't imagine, but it was their fervor and their amuna, the deep rooted that the Hasidis gave them, that carried them through. And the same question is we have a lot of times now. We see, you know, a lot of times we don't see Hashem in a lot of things in the world. And then we wonder, how could we still believe in God? How could we still do everything? Why is this happening? But we have a deep rooted amuna belief. And when you learn Hasidus, it helps you, the teaching of Hasidus, it helps you develop and bring out that essence that you have. Because we all have it in ourselves, but it's only a matter of 
bringing it to the surface, to scratching it, to bringing it to the open. But in any event, I don't know, we've got it off on a sidetrack over here. But maybe we do a short l'chaim, because it is. Does anybody want to do a short l'chaim? And we make, a, make it into Fabringen, uh, into, a, into a Hasidic gathering. What? Yeah, I want to tie it in with Yosef and the thing. Then. I wanted to tie it in. I wanted to tell you the Talmud. Should we do a L'chaim first or we should finish it? Let's do a L'chaim first. Take a little break. I want to get some input. And I know I ended up talking the whole time. I wanted everybody to say. Everybody want to say something? Please do. I think I wasn't saying it per se. It's in the present now. I was just trying to make an equation of Yosef and his brothers with that rivalry and what was Misnagdom and... Okay, don't take it. I'm sorry. I don't. It's yeah. not, not. Not. I wasn't giving this whole speech to knock what you said. I was just trying to give a general perspective to really know that it's not. No, no. You're. You didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> you know, it wasn't intended. You. I'm sorry. Don't. Don't feel. Don't feel about it. No. I was just trying to explain. Yeah. That have stayed on for twenty three or twenty five hundred years. Right. Yeah. They thought they were the only ones left. That's a lot of faith. Before we wanted to say something? Oh, oh, sure. Um, well, I mean, it, it occurred to me, like what you were saying, Rabbi, that it's the Mesnagim who, you know, who were, uh, you know, pitting themselves in, in unpleasant ways. And, you know, it was obviously takes two to tango, and there was an unpleasant um, competition between the two. But maybe they needed each other, obviously, or they wouldn't have been like that, two separate camps. And that maybe then Mesnagim needed the chas- the chasets or the, the chasidut movement to keep them, to remind them that it's all about the love of God and thanking God and being joyous and simkhitic. And maybe also the chasidic also needed the misnaga to keep them, you know, straight onto the Torah chasidic and not just get lost into like, you know, la la land and, and remember that it's the Talmud and it's, it's all, it's halakha and it's, and how important the, that skeleton, that if you think of that as the skeleton of Judaism and the chasidut, the very good. And that's that's really what I hinted to when I said sometimes two camps are not necessarily as long as they're treated with a. But you know what? It, it, it did get out of hand. I, I have a lot to share with you. I want to just tell you along those lines, and you know, I wanted to also finish up the class of what we started off, but I didn't want to tell you something. Um, the Alter Rebbe's humility, and based on what you said, Alter Rebbe did not, it, 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 it was pretty nasty. I mean, as you can see, they, they went and they slandered him to the government to try to put the Alter Rebbe away. So it wasn't like kid stuff. It wasn't just nice, nice, you know. It wasn't nice, nice. It was, it was you know, if you read some of the history, it, it was dangerous, you know, sometimes. At a Hasidic... Vilna was the city with the uh, Goen was. That was the, but the hardcore. And there was a Hasidic shul, a Hasidic Chabad shul in Vilna. And many of the Hasidim knew the Talmud inside out and knew the, they, they weren't kids. They were great scholars. They were important people. By today's standard, somebody knows how to read without vowels is a scholar, you know. I mean, that's today's standard. But those days, a scholar was a scholar, was somebody really outstanding, you know. We, 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 we use everybody's a tzaddik, everybody is a scholar, everybody's a genius, you know. It was, it was, well, we, 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 we use the words very loosely for, for everybody, but it does, so it loses a lot of the meaning. But 
those were really outstanding young people. And they joined the Hasidic, the Alter Rebbe, and they were fervent followers of the Alter Rebbe. And they've had it. <laughs> the head of the Chabad community in Vilna was also a converted Misnagid who became a Hasid. His name was Reb Meir of Falls. He worked for five years, six years, to try to bridge that it shouldn't, you know, flare up. Try to work something out, some compromises, so that the Jewish people will work together. Because fights doesn't bring anybody any good. He worked very diligently. There was a meeting in the city of Vilna. And some of these young, fiery Hasidim said, we've had it. We're going out now. We've had enough. We've tolerated. We don't want that line of appeasement, of accommodation, of tolerance. No, enough. Now we're going out to wage war. Those who are hurting us, we're going to fight back. And that was it. And there was a fellow who named, he was an older fellow, his name was Reb Moshe. And he supported the young Hasidim. And he says, it's enough with this Reb Meir Falls, with his philosophy. It worked for five, he tried for five, six years to work something out. It didn't work. And he had some, some harsh words for this Reb Meir Falls. The Alter Rebbe sends a special messengers to the Hasidim in Vilna. He said to them, although you're right for all your suffering that you do, but it's your job, he says, to be, he quoted from the Gemara, from those who are shamed and don't give back. From those who tolerate to the end, take control. Your mind should control your emotions. Don't give back. He says, never give back. Even though you're right, he says. You're right, but that's not the function. At the end of the day, he said, what's right will prevail. It'll come out, the truth will come out. And the Hasidim, you will not end up losing. So tolerate, he says, till the end. And the Rebbe sends a letter addressed to Reb Moshe. And the Rebbe says to him, for my sake and for the sake of peace, he says, I want you to publicly, Rebbe says, and Erevim Kippur, to apologize to Remeir Falls. Because he said something, I guess, whatever, he offended him because he was trying to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. And the Rebbe said, no, the Alter Rebbe says. When the Alter Rebbe came back out of prison, the Alter Rebbe said not to give back. He says, he quoted. He says, he quoted Yaakov Avinu when Yaakov, last week's Parsha, when he came back, Yaakov says, he says, mikola mikola emes. He says, he, Yaakov was praying to Hashem, he says to Hashem, look, I mean, you promised me that you're going to protect me, you promised me that you're going to be good to me, that I'll guard you, but guess what, you know, you were so kind to me, I started out with nothing, and now I have two camps, you know, and by the way, this is something we should always think when we think to complain to Hashem, look look really where you are. I mean, look what you do have. <laughs> don't, don't complain what you don't have, what you would like to have. Thank Hashem. Say thank you. Thank you, Hashem, what you gave me, because Hashem has given each and every one of us. We can certainly find a lot of areas in our life where we have to be tremendously thankful to Hashem for everything that He's bestowed upon us. 
So we say thank you. Didn't Joseph do that? Like he he went through so much, but he never lost his sense of devotion to God and his connection. And he 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 never held a grudge against his family for what they did to him. And he just was grateful and thankful for what he had, and he kept going. That's what the Rebbe uses Yosef in his letter as an example. Very good. The Rebbe, exactly what you're saying. He says Yosef never gave them back to his brothers, and and he never. But over here, the Alter Rebbe translates. Alter Rebbe says, when God is good to you, you become small, which means you become modest. You become tolerant. You know, in other words, some people, if they're successful, they they become arrogant. They boast about it. But what you really should be. Mikolach Hasodim is katanti because you're closer to Hashem. You should more. You should become more humble. You should become more accepting. Al Rebbe didn't allow. It was prohibited from anybody to go back or give back. Just positive, no fighting, no giving back, tolerated. This is I'm telling you from one story. Let me just finish up so we we we, we tie it together over here. L'chaim, l'chaim. Let's do a bracha. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, Barei pri ha'gofen. L'chaim, l'chaim. Hashem should bless us all, that we should have all our needs met, we should learn from these tzaddikim, from the righteous, to be strong, and don't get distracted from the little incidents in our lives, but we'll get to freedom. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. And for unity. Yes, very. Wow, that's so so, for serving God and with each other with a joyous and happy heart. Amen. Amen. Anybody, please welcome a blessing. We want to hear from everybody. That's why we say happy Hanukkah. Yes. Brightness and light. What did I say? No, just nowadays everything is positive thinking, gratitude. You go on any internet website from any organization and that's what you find and yet Hasidus was talking about that mm. many years ago I mean nowadays everything you're talking about stay focused in the present be thankful There's, you're supposed to write down ten, ten things Gratitude. that you're grateful for each day and what you're saying is that that's where you know it started from let me tell you a story from the Talmud and then we'll back it up to there uh, let me tell you the story from the Talmud that we learned today actually today's um, the Gemara has an interesting story over there. The Gemara said there were two rabbis. And then they had a, uh, a disagreement, you know, in the Talmud or whatever it was. And Rabbi Hanina, one was Rabbi Hanina, the other one was Rabbi Chia. Both great scholars and both great rabbis quoted throughout the Talmud. So Rabbi Hanina says to Rabbi Chia, how could you argue with me? He says, you're arguing with me, he says. You know, God forbid, if the entire Torah was forgotten, nobody knew any Torah, I have such a strong intellect that I can bring the whole Torah back from my intellect. Don't you disagree to that? Do you disagree? He says, no, I agree. You're absolutely right. But I still disagree with you. He says, why? He says, you're disagreeing with me, he says to him. He says, I'm going to make sure 
that the Torah is not going to be forgotten. <laughs> well, you're going to make sure to bring it back if it is forgotten. He says, I'm going to make sure that the Torah is not forgotten in the first place. He says, what am I going to do? He says, he says I'm going to go out. He says, I'm going to weave the flax and I'm going to trap a deer in there and I'm going to shecht it and I'm going to give the meat for the orphans. I'm going to take this skin and I'm going to write on the skin of the deer. This is from the Talmud on, chapter, on page 85 in Baba Metziah. Uh, and I'm going to write the side B. And I'm going to write on the skin, on one skin I'm going to write the entire book of Breshit. And on the other skin, I'm going to write the entire book of Shemot, and then Vayikra and Bamidbar and Devarim, on different skins. And then I'm going to take other skins, and I'm going to write on one the entire order of the Mishnah of Zroyim and Moyed and Noshim, Nezikim, Kochim and Taris. Those are all the four, six orders of the Mishnah. And I'm going to go to a city. I'm going to go to one kid, and I'm going to teach him the entire Chumash Breshis. I'm going to go to another kid, I'm going to teach him the entire Chumash Mois. And so on, I'm going to go to each kid and teach him. Then I'm going to go to one kid, I'm going to teach him one order of the Mishnah, the second order to him. And then I will tell these kids, teach each other. And when I come back, they should all know the entire Chumash and the entire Mishnah. That was what the, the Talmud we got afterwards. At that time, they didn't have the Talmud. So the oral Torah was the Mishnah, that's what they have. So he says, I'm going to make sure that the Torah is not forgotten. And Rebbe, who was the author of the Mishnah, he says, Kamo He says, the acts of Chia are the greatest. He's the greater. While, while, I was just worried with Shmuley, while, It's very important to be able to be on a scholarly level like Rabbi Hanina. But at the time of the Baal Shem Tov, as we talked, if we wouldn't have the Hasidic inspiration, then we wouldn't have all that teaching of Torah. As we see that Hasidic throughout the generation has gone out there, and we see in our very own generations that you have those who follow the Rebbe and the Hasidus Chabad go out to every corner of the world to go out to teach Torah. So you see, it's not just about your learning Torah, but preserving Torah to making sure, to making sure, to, per, to, to make sure that we are going to have the Torah, that it's not going to, if we left it just to the scholars, just to the learning of the Torah, then we would not be able to have the Torah today as we know today that we have the Torah uh, together. That's the power of the Hasidus had to give like Rabbi Chiyam. In essence, this is also what Yosef with his brothers. Because his brothers were mostly occupied in their own learning. They were shepherd, they were separated. They didn't make an impact in the world. They didn't make a difference in their environment. Yosef became the viceroy. Yosef was taken away from his learning. Yosef was taken away from his study. Yosef was out there actively promoting and staying a religious 
even though he was a Mitzrayim, even though he was in Egypt, even though he was a viceroy, even though he was involved in, world, in, 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 in the world, you know, we can't remain isolationists just for ourselves and then let the world just go its own direction. We are, as a Jewish people, on Goyim, we're a light to the nations, and we are a people that must make a difference in our lives, in our family, our community, but also to the whole world. Abraham stood up all by himself against the whole world. He declared that there's only one God. The world didn't believe him. Everybody said that this man is... Is this has gotten uh, something wrong with him? The truth of the matter is we know that Abraham started it all. That's our responsibility. That was Yosef. And that's what Hasidus helped us do. It helped us preserve Yiddishkeit. Not only the study of Yiddishkeit, because if we just study Yiddishkeit and we didn't have that, we are destined to maybe forget the Torah. It's not going to be anybody to teach Yiddishkeit too, because... Uh, there's not going to be any interest. It's our job, it's our obligation, and our, guess, privilege is to do what we can. And like I just heard at the convention, I mentioned this maybe before, in the publication in the early 1900s, it was a publication that really called the moment. It said, <laughs> in 10 years or in 20 years, there will be no Jewish people to speak of. And, you know, Baruch Hashem, uh, there's no moment left, but the Jewish people are there. I'm Yisrael Chai. So we are, we are here, and we're here to stay, and we'll each one do our part. We'll be inspired by the Rebbe, by his release, by his success. And Hashem will bless us all. Hanukkah is coming up. We have a happy and a joyous Hanukkah. And I think she so much wants a...